0: This is Karen Jikonsky, and you're listening to Harper Audio Presents. Hairdresser, businesswoman, and reality star Tabitha Coffey became famous for her take-it-from-me, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is tough-love approach to people who need help making better decisions in business and in life. The star of Bravo's Tabitha takes over. She has whipped people and their businesses into shape by telling them exactly what they need to, but don't necessarily want to, here. In her new book, Own It, Tabitha teaches us to take the reins and cut the bullshit. Her words, not mine. She writes, Own it means taking responsibility for your actions, your words, your decisions, your failures, your successes, and ultimately your life and your destiny. If your career, your business, or your relationship is failing, then you need to figure out how to change yourself to fix the problems. And this is just the first few lines of the book. Change is hard, but Tabitha won't take no for an answer. Tabitha sat down to talk about Own It during the recording of her audiobook. I'll admit I was a little intimidated going into it, and worried about how my hair looked, but soon found that she was extremely nice and very easy to work with. A true professional. Here's a bit of our conversation. So we were just talking briefly about your show Tabitha Takes Over which I watched a lot um, and I was always astounded by the physical conditions of these um, hair salons. What? How do places get so filthy and how does that happen? I
1: think people I think a couple of things happen. I think people get busy and they think oh it doesn't matter I'll put it off I'll get to it tomorrow and they never get to it. And I think people become really complacent. So a lot of the businesses I go into, the problems are so bad, financially, you know, problems with staff, that it becomes overwhelming and cleaning seems to be the last thing that anyone really thinks is important. They're focused on paying their bills or getting the staff on track or getting new customers in the door. And they do, they become complacent and they don't realise that that is part of the experience. Having a clean environment, it shows that AU care, and that you really are vested in your business and you really care about it and what people think of it. And it just starts to snowball and it gets away from itself. And then it gets to the point, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees. You don't notice the dirt anymore and you don't notice that it's falling apart and you don't notice the bad behavior that people are doing because you become so accustomed to it.
0: Is that the first thing you focus on, like just getting everything in tip
1: top shape? I do because it's the first thing I see. So when I walk into a business, I've obviously been watching people at work during their day without them knowing that I'm watching them. And that is real, everyone. I know you're all surprised by it. I can't tell you how we do it, but we do it. But, yes, I focus on the physicality of a place because that's the first thing I can. I haven't gotten to know the staff yet. I don't know the issues. I haven't kind of uncovered the story of what is actually going on. So the first thing I look at is, is it pleasing? How are people dressed? How are people behaving? Is the place clean? Does it look like someone cares about it? Is it dated? They're all the things that kind of, you know, you hit you first on, which is no different actually from a person work- walking into your business for the first time. If you walk into a new you know, restaurant, store, hair salon, I don't care what it is, the first thing you do is look around. You may not realize you do it, but you do. You look around and think this is clean, this is dirty, that person looks messy, they're not paying attention to me. That's what we all do and that's why it's so important.
0: What do you do when you meet someone who You just don't know why they started went into business for themselves in the first place because they just seem to be really ill-equipped. Is there a point where you think you can help them or it's just too late?
1: Well, I think everyone, if they've seen the show, they've seen me lose my mind. And at times I storm out. I always come back. um, And that's because I am tenacious. Once I have told you that I'm going to take over and I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you. Even if it doesn't work, I will hold up my end of the bargain and, you know, stand true to my word and that's that I'm going to help you. For some people, it is too late because they don't want to change and I think that's the hardest thing. The people that have had huge success, that I've gone into their business and taken over and there have been many success stories, they have really embraced the change and they've taken the opportunity of a week with me, as hard as it was, as the catalyst to kind of move forward and look at what they need to do and how they can do things differently and get out of being stuck. And, you know, they've grown leaps and bounds. It's amazing. And then the other people that are really scared or resistant to change or are living in denial and don't want to actually admit that they're doing something wrong, that it isn't everyone else, and they're not willing to change and not willing to kind of sacrifice or do anything different. They're the ones that don't do as well.
0: I mean, change, that's one of my notes. You know, you hear all the time, people don't change, people can't change. I've heard that so many times. Obviously, you don't believe that. Change
1: is really hard. It's hard for everyone. And I do believe people can change. And maybe not the core of who we are, that that will be the same, but I think we can change our situation, we can change our thought process, we can change our environment, we can change the people that we surround ourselves with. And we can change a situation from bad and make it better and get out of a bad situation and go into a good one. So I think anyone can change in those ways. It's just incredibly hard. And, you know, we, we've all done it, whether it's trying a new diet, that's a change, and we can't stick to it and we fail or trying to give up smoking or drinking or whatever it is, it, that is a change. And it's a really hard thing to do, trying to make break the patterns of hiring the wrong staff, going out with the wrong guy, whatever it is, they're changes, and I think people don't realize that you need to look at, is change going to make me better? And no one died from change. Nothing's hurt anyone from changing. It can be uncomfortable, and it can be difficult, and it can stretch you and make you not feel good, and it can be hard, but the world's going to keep spinning. We're going to keep going and sometimes for the better
0: do you think what you've seen in the states is unique to the states or is it everywhere all over the world
1: i think it's everywhere now i think the world is so small now mainly because of social media that we know instantly what's happening in another country we know what is going on the pop culture has gotten much smaller as well and it's everywhere so it's not just american anymore it's worldwide which has made it different. I think there are beliefs that we all have and sensibilities that we all have. You know, I have them being Australian. Americans have them because they grew up here. Europeans have them. A lot of that comes down to, I think, style and maybe the way we approach things. It's a little bit different, but I think the world is shrinking so much more every day. And it really is from social media, which I think is great, because it gives everyone the opportunity to see different cultures and interact with people that maybe they wouldn't have had the chance to interact with.
0: Have you embraced social media? Are you on Twitter? I love social media. Are you kidding? I'm totally
1: addicted. When the show is on, I, I do date night. I call it date night, and I love it. I sit down with my computer... And I tweet with everyone and answer questions and catch up about what's going on with the show and how everyone feels about it. So that's really fun. And I do. I love social media. I rant sometimes, which I have to learn not to do my Twitter. (laughs) I'm angry and the girl just really pissed me off in Starbucks rant. But other than that, it's good.
0: Did you ever see yourself being a TV personality? No, No. I... For me, when I first,
1: well, it was Sheer Genius that I started on, Mm. it wasn't to be on TV. That wasn't the motivation. It was to really stretch myself and do something different and get out of my comfort zone and shake things up a little bit. I was at a happy, secure place in my career, and I thought the competition would be fun, and I really wanted to challenge myself. And TV was just the secondary part. I never really thought about what would happen that I was going on TV to compete. I just kept thinking I'm going to compete with hairdressers. I know it's weird. So the TV portion never really factored into my mind, which I'm happy about because I was me. Mm -hmm. What you saw is what you get, and it took a minute for people to get to know me and realize that I wasn't mean and I wasn't the bitch that everyone thought I was. I was just really honest and stated my opinion. It gives, it gives you a voice, which is nice. Again, it allows me to reach people that maybe I never would have had a chance to reach. It allows me a platform. It's allowed me to go in and help many people and help their businesses and get to know them and build these personal relationships with them. And that's the thing that I love. Looking at myself on TV is the least appealing yeah. out of all of those things.
0: I really like your book because of the tools that you present, like how to do a business plan, which... I think that's fabulous that you put that in your book.
1: I get so many questions of, where do you start? I want to go into business, what do you do? Or I'm in business and this isn't working, how do I fix it? And I would love to go to everyone's business and take it over for them, but that's impossible, I can't. And I hope that this book really answers some of those questions, whether you own a business or not. Maybe you just want to get further in your career.
0: Risk is so scary. Are there- certain elements that you would advise to be in place in order to you know go forward and and take a risk of starting a business or making a career change you need to plan you can't
1: plan for everything but i think a lot of people go into business and they have no plan so they have no idea how much it's going to cost them what it's going to look like for the next six months or a year financially or staff wise or the hours that they're going to put in they haven't thought all of that through. When you think all of those things through and you really do have a clear vision, a clear plan, a good business plan, you've thought through the worst case scenarios. You've prepared yourself mentally for what it's going to be and the commitment you have to make to own that business. Mm -hmm. And to get it over its infant years and make it successful, it really does minimise the risk. It's Yes, it's still risky and it's still scary and it's change and it's a commitment and it's all of those things. But if you've really thought it through and you really feel passionate about it and you feel like it's a great idea,
0: then the risk is worth taking. Mm-hmm. My heart really breaks when I see people who are on shows and they need help and they talk about, you know, using all of their retirement, dipping into their kids' college funds, borrowing money from relatives to support this fail- the failing business. They're on the verge of personal ruin.
1: Sometimes you have to take the emotion out of it, which is what people have a really hard time doing. Take the emotion out of the situation, sit back and look at it like you're an observer, and then see, what, what can I do? How can I change this? What can be done differently? What, what am I doing wrong? And it's okay to admit that you're doing something wrong and then change it to make it better.
0: You said that you identified your passion really early on when you were, you know, you started working in a salon when you were 14, mm-hmm. for free. For free. How do you encourage people at that young age to, you know, find find what they're passionate about?
1: I was really lucky. I'm not exceptional at all. My situation to that mm-hmm. was exceptional. I, I... I'm very blessed. I found something that I love, that passion's never wavered. I still love it as much today as I did when I was 14. So it is rare and not everyone does that. There are many people that are still wondering, you know, in their 30s, 40s and even Mm -hmm. later, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? What am I going to do? And I think that's okay as well. So it's really finding what excites you and what you can see yourself doing every day for the rest of your life or for a good portion of your life? What motivates you to get out of bed? What really makes you happy? And I think the difference is some people don't realise their passion that's a hobby and something great and relaxing and their passion that could be a great business idea. Mm. And I find so many people tell me, I wanted to be X. I wanted to be a hairdresser, but my parents wouldn't let me and I went to law school or... I did this because that seemed the right thing to do, but I never really wanted to do it. And that's sad to me. That's really sad that you've had this yearning all the time to do something else and to have a different profession, and you Mm -hmm. feel stuck in a job because you were forced into it or someone told you that's what you should do.
0: I mean, that goes right into your your mom. I really love the Norma's notes throughout the book. Can you talk a little bit about your mom and, you know, how she influenced you or what kind of lady she was sure um she was tough you know she
1: was a very she was a very tough woman and she was very ballsy and I only know her obviously as my mother so when she was younger I don't think she was that way it's something that she grew into and learned to stand up for herself through as we all do, various you know situations and bad marriages and divorces and all of those kind of things, that as she got older, she really did kind of come into her own and learn how to stand up for herself and take care of herself and those around her that she cared for. And she really didn't care what other people thought. She loved people and people loved her. It was never done to be mean, but she was brutally honest. I mean, if people think I'm honest, my mother... I look like a pussycat (laughs) compared to my mother and some of the things my mother would say.
0: I read that you've had a gift, which sounds like you inherited it from your mother, of not caring what people think about you, which as a kid, I mean, I think that's really exceptional too, not to not, especially if you, you know, you said that you were overweight and kids may have bullied you, and just to be able to shut that out is really... uh, that's really great
1: yeah I look I attribute that to my mother I'm not mm-hmm. saying it didn't bother me sure I was a kid so mm-hmm. anytime people are mean to you especially when you're a child of course it bothers you and it affects you in some way mm-hmm. but I had this crazy support system part of it was the business my parents had and you know the strip clubs they ran and The girls that worked in there were incredibly supportive of me, and it didn't care that I was overweight. You know, they didn't care what I looked like. So that was a support system for me. And my mother, because she had that attitude of not giving a damn, just be who you were, it allowed me to do those things and express myself. You know, when other kids were getting in trouble for cutting their hair or colouring their hair or having to sneak out and throw a different outfit on, I could shave my head and colour it purple and do all of these things and it sounds crazy but that was how I expressed myself. I compensated in different ways because I wasn't one of the cute kids and I wasn't pretty and I wasn't skinny and I didn't fit into that kind of look so I went the other extreme and, you know, played with fashion Mm -hmm. and played with makeup and played with my hair and did those kind of things and it was a way of expressing myself and a lot of parents, I think, would tell their children, oh, you can't do that. It's going to make people look at you and you're weird and you're not going to fit in. My mother was like, go for it. I don't care. It's hair. It's going to grow back. Wear what you want. It's fine. Be yourself. Have fun, (laughs) which was great because it, it was a way of allowing myself to be me and expressing myself without feeling stifled, especially because I wasn't fitting in at school with a lot of the other kids because I was heavy and I wasn't athletic and i had a very different lifestyle
0: so what do you think it is about hair that drew you to it and is so people are so emotionally connected to it
1: hair is transformative i, I mean i think it's twofold for me i love the i love the art of doing hair and what goes into it So that process I find very therapeutic and very relaxing and I can zone out when I do hair and just focus on that and it's very cathartic for me. But I also love the interaction with people. You know, part of being a hairdresser is really interacting with people and listening to them and sometimes hearing what they're not saying to you and getting to know the client sitting in your chair and building a rapport and that's what I really love. And I love the transformation of it because it is hair, and I guess in the grand scheme of things, it may not be that important, but it really is. And it changes the way we feel about ourselves, the way other people sometimes perceive us. It can make us have a good day or a not good day. Mm-hmm. It can make people feel attractive or not attractive. It it really is quite changing for people. And there's something very empowering about having someone come in and doing their hair and seeing them look at themselves and feel differently about themselves, even if it's momentary. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very empowering thing as a person that's done that to see a woman look at herself if she hasn't felt so great about herself. And you can see this little glint in her eye mm-hmm. and she feels pretty or feels like she likes how she looks. And that's very special. And if I can contribute to someone having a great month, six weeks because their hair looks good, or even a good five minutes in the chair. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the only time for a lot of people that you get to relax mm-hmm. and you get away from everything and you get to actually unplug and switch off and be pampered. So if I can do that for someone, that is a real gift. It's a very special profession mm-hmm. and I think when, it, when it's done well and when people really um, respect and understand what it is you do, not just the... The art of what we do and the transformative piece, but the interaction with people, it's really quite an amazing profession.
0: Well, Tabitha Coffey, thank you so much for speaking with me today and best of luck with your book. Thank you. Okey-doke. Thank you so much. That was fun. You're welcome. (laughs) You guys sounded great. Thanks, Zane been a rough couple of days. It has. I'm sorry. It's okay. We were uh, Zane and I were emailing about the first few lines of your book and how you've made grown men cry. And he was like, <laughs> "I hope I'm, I hope I'm going to be okay." I'm like, "I think Tabitha hasn't made him cry yet." Yeah, I
1: might. The day is still early, but anything could happen. I saw him
0: this morning, and he was like, "Hi, Karen." <laughs> <laughs> that was Tabitha Coffey talking about her new book, "Own It," available on April Fourteenth. We'll end with some words of wisdom from Tabitha about change and owning it. This has been Harper Audio Presents. Thanks for listening. When change sucks, not every change is positive. I get that.
1: You're getting divorced, you got fired, you lost a valued relationship. Even these changes have a way of giving us a much needed kick in the ass. Change can be an amazing catalyst Even if we don't recognise it at first. Here's a perfect example. A friend of mine lost her father. It was sudden and tragic. She actually had a conflicted relationship with him because he was unhappy in his life and they had come to an impasse. She felt guilty and conflicted when he died, but ultimately it helped her take stock. She decided that life is too short to waste. She gave up a job that did not fulfill her and pursued her dream to become a doctor. The loss of her father was a tragedy, but it inspired her to reevaluate her own choices and make a major change. She rekindled a relationship with her mother that had drifted and remade her family. Ten years later, she recalls the moment she lost her father as one of the most impactful in her life, the one that brought about the most positive changes she has ever made. Would she have done that if she hadn't experienced that loss? Maybe not. Some changes we make. Others are made for us. But the positive end result can be the same if you own it.